from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. We fill within hours of opening. If you imagine a shelter system that used to bunk bed people in a giant warehouse, that, that style of organizing went away. Yeah, I mean, this year it was sort of like, oh, but, but, but the ARPA funds are going to come through, right? Yeah, you know, there's so crossed. much money. Yeah, 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 exactly. Lots of people are like, oh, the city doesn't care. I'm like, all right, like if we always blame it on emotions and fail to recognize the structures, mm -hmm. then maybe, uh, you know, you're not going to do the right advocacy. Cities aren't great at moving quickly. I'm Sarah Fenske. And if Yusuf says he's working on it, he's working on it. Last year, five homeless people died when dangerously cold temperatures hit St. Louis. The city had failed to open a safe haven shelter. That's a place open to anyone who needs it 24 hours a day. Volunteers had scrambled to pick up the slack. And some cast blame at then-Mayor Lyda Krusen for failing to protect the city's homeless residents. The city now has a new mayor, and it's since received hundreds of millions of dollars in federal funding. Using that money, it budgeted for a safe haven shelter. But as dangerously cold temperatures again hit St. Louis, it has again fallen to volunteers to find and provide housing for homeless residents. St. Louis confirms that it has yet to release money for any safe haven proposal. So what's the holdup? The city's director of human services is Yusef Skagen. He told producer Kayla Drake that getting funds to a safe haven shelter is a priority. But he said that many of the providers volunteering their energies to run a pop-up safe haven did not apply for no barrier shelter funding this winter. If we could have brought on contracts with the snap of a finger, we certainly would have. Um, but considering uh, the amount of the proposals, the involved nature and the complexity of our system, uh, and we have to make the best decision based upon the proposals that have been submitted. Now, Yusef Skagen said the city is also keeping the bigger picture in mind. There's a lot of focus on sheltering. While that is certainly important, uh, it is also important to recognize that the most important final objective of permanent housing is what makes people feel whole at home and healed uh, from the trauma that is often experienced when they don't have a place to stay. And that is Yusef Skagen, who took over as the city's director of human services in October. The city said yesterday that it was working towards final approval and hopes to release money to its new grantee for a safe haven shelter by week's end. But in the meantime, it is bitterly cold out there. And joining us now with the latest on the ground is Tim Huffman. He's an associate professor of communications at St. Louis University and a local safe haven organizer. He's also on the board of the St. Patrick's Center. That's a downtown nonprofit that's serves the homeless population. So, Tim, welcome back. Good to be here. So, Tim, Yusuf Skagen spoke there about the need for more permanent housing. He obviously makes a great point of that. In light of that, why are safe haven shelters still so important in St. Louis? So the best way to understand any kind of solution to homelessness is to think about your own life and the way that your house is organized. There are short-term things, short -term things you do to maintain your house. There are medium-term things that you do to maintain your house, and there are long-term things. Um, 
you know, mortgage is a long-term concern, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, <laughs> r- rent is sort of like on that kind of like immediate-term concern. Um, locking the door at night or shutting the door, that's the short term. You should think the same way about how we organize housing justly for everyone, right? So short-term needs um, are all of those things that you would need from your house today, right? And if you didn't have one, well, we need to find a way to organize that, right? So that's hygiene, um, you know, a place, just a place to lay your head, uh, a place to, you know, get your stuff in when it's wet, a place to get your body when it's cold or very hot. Um, And so those immediate needs um, become really, really important. Um, I think what part of what Yusuf is speaking to is that um, in the popular imagination, lots of us think that, oh, well, shelter is the solution to homelessness. Mm-hmm. And Yusuf is rightly, you know, making sure that, you know, folks are thinking about not only that kind of crisis organizing, but that long term. You know, a hospital is not just an ER. There's also long term beds and then there's home health care. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and it's this whole spectrum. And if we only had ERs, we would do worse medicine. That makes sense. And yet it seems like this type of year in particular, we need the proverbial ER. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something where I feel like we talked about this so much last year. I mean, it was it was a scandal that five people died. And yet here we are. How is it that there isn't a city funded safe haven that's open right now? Yeah. I think that I think the answer to that question is complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to start by saying that I do support Tashara Jones, and I do have, have absolutely respect Yusuf Scoggin. I've worked with him for five years. Uh, he worked in the county before um, coming over to St. Louis, and uh, Yusuf is a very thoughtful person. Um, and if Yusuf says he's working on it, he's working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, not, that's not politician speak. Uh, that being said, you know, there are different um, uh, affordances available to different kinds of institutions and cities aren't great at moving quickly, hmm. right? Um, and so uh, I, I believe the city when it says it's moving as quickly as it can. Uh, that being said, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, complex, uh, it's a complex issue. Um, Finding a place for a safe haven, um, you know, is difficult. Many people don't want a safe haven in their backyard. Mm-hmm. These um, are very unpopular yeah, structures absolutely. with neighborhoods. Absolutely. And for good reason. Um, you know, one, one of the reasons that safe haven is so important is because there are people all across the spectrum of need um, experiencing homelessness at any given time. Um, and different kinds of programs there's always some kind of challenge or barrier that exists for being a part of it. I mean, that's true of literally everything in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to fill out a form to join a gym. You know, you've got to apply to go to college, right? You know, mm-hmm. so what, what are what are the, the the things you have to do in order to get into the front door? And so for someone who's profoundly ill, who's experienced a significant amount of trauma, who might be struggling with an untreated substance use disorder, they're going to find um, jumping through programmatic hoops very hard. Um, and so safe haven is, is one of the lowest barrier options for organizing their needs. Um, so uh, that's why it's so critically important. Um, but that also means that it's got to be in the right 
place in the city. Uh, it's got to have the right provider. Um, there's just a kind of a lot of a lot of details that go into it. You can't uh, just put it in Frontenac and assume people will no, come there. No, no, absolutely not. You got to right. put it in a convenient place, yeah. have the right person running it. So, yep. so tell me, what is the stopgap effort that you guys have put together this year? When did it become, when did you realize, okay, we're doing this again. We're going to have to step up here. Yeah. I mean, for, for people who kind of organize in the homeless human service sector, there's sort of not a week that goes by that we're not on some Zoom call together, right? Um, so we're organizers. We, we, we're we organizing. Um, and so, you know, in the summer, uh, we're designing programs and writing grants um, and trying to come up with funding. Um, and in the autumn, when autumn rolls around, there, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, talking and sharing and what's going to happen and figuring things out. And yeah, I mean, I don't like organizing in crisis. Uh, I prefer, uh, I, I love community conversations held, you know, uh, in, in, in the slow times. Um, but yeah, when, when the weather says that it's going to be 12 degrees and, you know, or, or, or 29 degrees and raining. Um, was this again then a mad scramble this year where uh, you realized, okay, wow, the weather's looking bad. We still haven't heard that the city funded thing is about to open. Yeah, more or less is exactly how it happened. I mean, we, so the, the, the conversation around the ARPA funds, I mean, is a whole thing we should get into. Um, and ARPA funds, of course, those are the, the Federal American Rescue, Rescue Plan, Plan Act yeah, funds. Yeah, such a weird name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you for spelling out my acronym. Um, yeah, I mean, this year it was sort of like, oh, but 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 the ARPA funds are going to come through, right? Yeah, you know, there's so crossed. much money. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so so there was a little uh, hoping on hope uh, there. But yeah, you know, uh, municipal structures have got their spending policies. You know, it goes to this group and then that group, and it kind of rat- rattles around inside the system. Um, and and and. You know, I think that there's kind of two levels of critique there. One is, could the people involved have done it a little faster? Maybe that's possible. But I think that the other thing, um, lots of people are like, oh, the city doesn't care. And I'm like, all right, like if we always blame it on emotions and fail to recognize the structures, mm-hmm. then maybe, uh, you know, you're not going to do the right advocate advocacy, right? So it's possible that the city needs to pass that funding through to a different funder who can spend it faster. Uh, it's possible that the, the municipal funding structures need to change in order to be more agile. Um, you know, there's other there's other ways of kind of critiquing why it's taken a while. So I understand the city put out the request for proposals um, just in October. Mm-hmm. Seems like Maybe that should have started a whole lot sooner, but I understand there there was a rush. People scrambled to get things in, and as the city has confirmed, they still haven't made final approval on this. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. And so, what did you guys decide to do in light of that? Oh, well, I mean, we did what we people have, so people have been organizing at the community level to respond to radical poverty in St. Louis for probably as long as the city has existed. We had really strong uh, Catholic social movement, you know, and that, that, that was a, um, uh, a thing. Um, anyway, we've had an organization called Winter Outreach that's been operating for 13 years or something like that, a really long time. Um, they, they activate when it's 20 or below. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, uh, just a group of us who were hanging on the, on the Zoom call said, no, we've got to have something um, because while there are some people who are fine until it's very, very cold, there is a group of people 
who just don't want to be outside when it's below freezing, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was terrible yesterday. The yeah. idea of people being willing to be outside yesterday, that takes a special person. Right. Um, so you want to be there for people who, who want who that can, shelter. Yeah, who can't can't do that. So yeah. this ends up being on, on the campus of St. Louis University. Yeah, so there we have a, a, a building um, which uh, wasn't in use, and um, St. Louis University has... Um, generously kind of co- co-sponsored the the effort and uh, there are a variety of SLU students who have been volunteers and central organizers uh, of the effort but it's also been kind of like a uh, an activist <laughs> melting pot folks from Tent Mission and St. Patrick Center and uh, just kind of people who are like no something needs to happen and, and one of the things that's really important is that um, it's open 24 hours right so some some places run day centers, you know, that are open yeah, nine to four, and others run shelters, which are just open at night. Um, but we find that there is a group of people who, you know, got it, people have needs at all times, right? They get discharged from the ER and given a taxi and dropped off at one in the morning. And they need a place to go. They need a place to go. And plenty of shelters have stopped intake by that point. So uh, it's really important to be able to have hospitality at any time of the day, particularly when it's life-threateningly cold. And so have you seen demand for this um, safe haven shelter? Uh, we fill within hours of opening. Wow. So people are coming in. Yeah, They're absolutely. using these beds. You guys are, are meeting the ER level needs where you can. Yeah. Does it feel frustrating? Here we are again. As you say, there's this long history of volunteers stepping up and doing this. But this year was supposed to be different. All this federal funding, and here you go again. Yeah, I mean, I, as an activist, it's frustrating. Um, as a scholar, I'm trained to be patient. Um, so Yusuf has argued that he's take, playing the long game. Um, and so... Uh, you know, one of the things that is really interesting about the American Rescue Plan Act funds uh, is that there was, for instance, an opportunity for some of that money to go into capital development. That's powerful. Most of the funds that you, you get your hands on in this space don't don't allow for that, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, be a chance to build something. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So um, all, all of it's not quite been published yet uh, publicly, um, but word on the street is that uh, there are organizations, longstanding human service and so organizations, so if you imagine instance, a shelter that, system um, that used to bunk bed uh, people and will in a giant funds that warehouse, give them the ability that, to that expand style of organizing went away. Right. Uh, so so yeah, I mean I I. I Yes, it's frustrating that it couldn't have happened faster. Um, I uh, did not love the way that the Department of Human Services was run under the prior administration. And as anybody who kind of works in the world of municipal organizing knows, there are holdovers from prior administrations as, um, yeah, uh, new mayor comes in, it takes a little while to Mm -hmm. set up shop, right? Um, So... I still have uh, hope that uh, the the new shop under the, the new systems are are good, but um, anyway, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. You answered my question. And and yeah, we're talking today to Tim Huffman. He's an associate professor of communications at St. Louis University, a local safe haven organizer. Volunteers have stepped up once again to open a safe haven shelter. The city says it hopes to get final approval to funds for somebody to actually get federal funding to do this, that it could be even yet this week, but that has not happened yet. I imagine even after that funding gets released, it's not going to be something where they can just open the doors the next day. No, it won't be instantaneous. 
So what happens then? How long can you keep this project at St. Louis University open? Well, eventually, you know, that building will need to be used for its intended purposes, uh, running meetings and doing trainings and hosting classrooms and things like that. So, yeah, we'll have to move out and find somewhere else. Um, definitely, you know, part of the name of the game is look look for the space. Um, uh, some spaces are better than others when running programs like this. So, yeah, I mean, we'll just... Do I have this right that the last day for the current safe haven in its current location is January 9th? Yeah. So you may need to find a new home for it very yeah, soon. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're looking. Okay. So once again, a little bit of a scramble. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, what is your sense of if the city releases that money, say, by Friday, what would be your best case scenario of when this new provider could be up and running? I know you don't speak for them, but just from your experience doing these things. I think it'll be quick. They'll be ready to move. I think so. Okay. But maybe not by this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. So one other point about this, Yusuf Skagen said part of the issue is the people running this safe haven shelter this year didn't apply for the funding for this safe haven shelter. And on one hand, yeah, so you're not speaking out of sour grapes. It's not like you're mad you didn't get it. But why didn't you guys go for this funding? You know how to do this. You've been doing this now for some years. Yeah, so I, so I mean, I'm a professor. I don't, I don't run a nonprofit organization. Um, but you know, there are there are people who um, have as a goal to, yeah, run, uh, run safe haven shelters. Um, some people who have that as a goal looked at the proposal and thought it's not enough money to run the program that I want. Mm. Um, an, um, another concern was uh, it, it the, the funds and or the way that it was structured, you know, didn't uh, it didn't seem possible to develop something that could be permanent. So some people who this was just like a one year yeah, funding. exactly exactly so um, there you know from a nonprofit's perspective um, sudden federal action is not a great way to build a long term policy you need right? a sustained program yeah. I mean e- even in the last year we've had four five different funding types FEMA funding CARES Act funding there was a second CARES Act now it's ARPA funds I mean so like. Yeah, uh, it it's a little it's a little nerve wracking uh, to try to grow you know uh, capacity in those contexts. Um, so the the other thing that I, I think is just really important to keep in mind is that one of the challenges that all all people are working under right now is that there are so many people are tired. So many organizations have stretched, have grown, have taken on new services. So, yeah, I know a human service provider in the city who desperately wants to run a safe haven. And they've spent the last year administrating funds for um, folks not getting kicked out of their apartments, you know, so rental assistance. So, they, you know, they, they already stretched. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we had a very short time window on the ARPA funds. Um you know, a couple of weeks to write the proposals. And so it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not as simple as, oh, there's money there, right? There also needs to be 
the imagination and the space and the staff and willingness and the board's got to agree anyway. So you have given Yusuf Skagen credit. You know, you, it sounds like you want to give him the benefit of the doubt because you've seen him do good work. Yeah. You feel like his heart's in the right place. He did talk to our producer, Kayla Drake, about homelessness in St. Louis. He told her that about 35 to 40 percent of homeless individuals in St. Louis are chronically homeless. Uh, that means they experience homelessness for at least a year or experience it repeatedly. The national average is 27 percent. And he said going forward, he's focused on trying to help those people. The unhoused oftentimes are those who have fallen through every other crack, every other safety net, every other potential system that could have provided a better outcome. So it is not without great challenge that our providers are conducting this work. It is not without great uh, intensive work by staff uh, here in this office and throughout the community as well as volunteers. Uh, This is not uh, easy work. This is the heavy lifting of a lot of failed systems throughout our entire society. And so it will take some time to right-size this and to engage the partnerships necessary to really uh, change what we see before us. And that, again, is Yusuf Skagen. He's the director of human services for the city of St. Louis. As he says, these are really complicated problems here, and and that speaks to what you've talked about today as well. Do you feel hopeful that if we come back next year and try to have this conversation again, the city's going to be in a better place for dealing with those emergency triage needs, even while looking at that bigger picture? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, one one of the things that's hard is that COVID changed how so many of us operate, mm-hmm. right? There's a, a screen between us uh, having this conversation. It's true. We do have a plexiglass shield as yeah. Tim and I are talking. Did there used to be there one? There did not used to be no. one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so many yeah. systems have changed, right? And so if you imagine a shelter system that used to bunk bed people mm-hmm. in a giant warehouse, that, that style of organizing went away um, because people will die, right? It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, one of the things that we're, we're grappling with is, yes, there's new funding, uh, but that funding is buying back capacity we lost because the, the old ways of working didn't work. You know, And I, I think it is worth recognizing that maybe we should never have been doing it that way, mm-hmm. right? Like that everyone deserves the dignity of some privacy, um, but that we, you know, as a society, haven't always afforded that to people um, you know, in extreme poverty. Um, so no, I don't know, um, because I don't know, I don't know the shape of the virus. I don't know if we can get you know, vaccination among the mm-hmm. homeless population up enough so that we can, you know, get them in, you know, in, in larger numbers, you know, to the ways that they used to be or, yeah, a lot. I mean, so much remains unknown. So much remains unknown. And it sounds like one of the big questions is where are people going to go after January 9th? We're going to stay on top of this story. I'm hopeful that at least for that immediate future that there can be a good answer here. Tim Huffman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Tim is an associate professor of communications at St. Louis University. He's a local safe haven organizer. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Aaron. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.